What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Project Podcast. This is your host, Nick Marcos, and this is my newest project where I'm sitting down with local business owners and community members who truly embody the hustle mentality. We're going to dive in deep and get their amazing stories of the ups, the downs, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur, you want to be an entrepreneur, or you're just someone who enjoys hearing the stories behind our community's movers and shakers, this is the podcast for you. So tune in and take pride knowing that we have these great people with incredible stories living right here in our neighborhood. Make sure you tune in weekly for our newest episodes. For more information, check out our website, hustleprojectpodcast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Project Podcast. Enjoy this week's episode, guys. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Hustle Project Podcast. Thanks for having me. What's really cool is today I get the opportunity to sort of branch out of what would we would normally assume like hustling is involved in. Like usually you think hustling, you think, you know, directly a business or someone who's like a stockbroker or someone's trying to, entrepreneurs. you know, entrepreneurs and, and exactly and, and real estate investors. But, but Evan is an aspiring comedian and um, there's a lot of struggle that I think is worthy of highlighting within the entertainment industry. And I think Evan is a perfect example of someone who's, grinding, hustling, and and making his mark on, on the comedy scene in, in, on the North Shore. And so my first question to you would be more or less, uh, how did you initially discover your desire to be in the comedy space? Well, that's, that's an interesting story because <laughs> once I kind of started hitting the mics, I spoke with my, my family and my parents, and they kind of brought back a childhood memory that I just didn't remember where... As a boy, one year for Christmas, I asked for a rubber chicken, like Fozzie Bear. <laughs> and I would run around the house with those stupid dollar joke books. Right, and right. I just wanted to be either a, a radio DJ or a stand-up comedian. That was my dream. And as then a, as somehow, and it just the fizzled. hustle of life, yeah. right? Yeah. Having a kid, just working. Right, absolutely normal. Fo- focusing on your, your quote-unquote regular career. Yeah. All of that, you, you know, gets pushed by the way. So talk to me a little bit about that. So obviously you knew you wanted to be a comedian or in the comedy space real early. Um, you end up going, obviously, to high school. Uh, you finish high school. Where do you go from there? I mean, so from high school, I actually ended up, uh, I went to a, a few different high schools. High school was not my forte, a cup right. of tea. I have a bit of um, learning disabilities to some degree. Disle- okay. Slightly dyslexic. And honestly, I'm smart, but only with things I want to learn. Right. If I don't find it like, useful... Like so many people. Exactly. Right. I, I just have a real tough time. Um, and then I also had a son when I was young, so I actually ended up dropping out of high school and getting my GED. No kidding. Good for you. Yeah. And I say good for you because it sounds like you made being a parent a priority. It, it was. It was right. number one, and I... Uh, I just kind of grinded it out, worked at the mall for a number of years, right. various stores, and various did And did you reflect back on wanting to be a comedian at all during that time, or was it something that... To, to be honest, that was a repressed memory that, that really only came back in my head when I started doing comedy, and, and my family mentioned it. My, my, my dad has an old joke notebook I used to wow. have. So you, you naturally were attracted back to comedy, and then your parents reinforced it with telling you that as a child you used to enjoy. Yep, they reminded me, and then, then that brought back the memories. And I remember Fozzie Bear. I remembered the rubber chicken. Right. I remembered all of that nonsense. That's a very interesting uh, take on it. So how, long, so how long between rediscovering it to actually performing for the first time? So what ended up happening, uh, I made the news. <laughs> okay, I had, I had a bit of a break-in, a little bit of a home invasion. At your house? At my house. Wow. I was actually in bed meditating. And um, we can get to that story, but that's no, like a No, no, whole no, bring it. I want to hear about this because it sounds like it had a big impact on your life. So uh, Okay, all right. So I'm in bed. I'm meditating. Now, this coincidentally was the day Stan Lee died. I had hiked a mountain. Stanley, and for reference, um, for those who don't know, Marvel Comics, Marvel Comics, creator and, of Spider-Man, and, and Evan here happens to be a huge comic book fan. So Stanley was your god. Yeah, yeah, it was big ver- day for you. Ver- very, yeah, yeah. I, and I had hiked a mountain literally the day before. I, I have trouble sleeping, anyways. When Stanley died, I went crazy on the heavy bag, and I'm just trying to burn off this anxious, angry energy. So I ended up going to bed extremely early. It was like seven o'clock had my meditation app set, and I was just trying to sleep because I just have such a hard time sleeping. And coincidentally, the meditation app has uh, ocean sounds in the background, right? Mm-hmm. Very, very faint. So 
I swore to God I heard glass break, but I just convinced myself as much as I possibly could that that wasn't glass breaking, that it was ocean sounds from the meditation app. So I could continue to try to go to sleep. Now, as this occurs, it was actually glass breaking and it was people breaking into my house. So as kind of time moved on, I just was so unsettled. They, my intuition, for lack of a better... Right. And by time, you're talking within like seconds. Sec seconds, right. minutes, right? Right, seconds. So, so as things are going on, I'm kind of, I think I'm hearing sounds and I think I'm hearing things. And then finally that inner voice inside, my intuition was like, dude, get up. Right. So I got up and I just went to go like walk out the door. But once again, it pung, pinged me again. And uh, I got a machete as a gift. It's a weird a story. A machete. A machete. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right. a weird story, but my friends have <laughs> always made fun of me because I've always left that thing under my bed. Right. Because it's like, I didn't buy it. Someone gave it to me. So you're and, just hiding it under dude, your bed. Well, my, my logic was this. If I'm ever going to need a machete, I'm not trekking through the jungle here. Right, can, I, right. can I swear? I don't Absol know. Okay. You can do whatever you right. want, man. It's your I'm shit. not trekking through the fucking jungle, right. all right? <laughs> it's like, I, I live in the lid. Right. If I'm ever going to need a machete, it's probably going to be when I'm in my underwear and naked, and <laughs> that's when I'm in bed. Wow. Right? Right? So yeah, that yeah. had always been my logic. I left it there, and I did not need it for better part of 37 years. Wow. <laughs> or, you know, well, I didn't get the machete when I was one, but you right. know what I'm saying. <laughs> 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 so anyways, that, that part of me pings. So I grabbed the stupid thing, and I'm, I, I even feel that this is kind so of So wait, ridiculous. right now you are, a, you are a grown man in your underwear. Yep. With, that was meditating with headphones on, and you grab a machete. Did you take the headphones off? I, I did not have headphones on, actually. I just had it playing on my phone oh, on my dresser. Okay, right? all right, all right. And that's what allowed me to hear. That's why you could hear it. The, the right. glass breaking. So you gr the grab this machete. You, you, you're, going, you're walking out of your door now? Uh, so, I, yeah, I, I go to walk out of the door. But then it pings me, I grab the machete. So then I grab the machete, I post up at my bedroom door and really listen. Because this is where I'm, I'm deciding how ridiculous this is to have a weapon in my hand right now. <laughs> and then I distinctly hear like Charlie Brown's parents, mar, 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 like two people talking. So I'm like, oh shit, this is, this is an actual problem. Right. right. I know my son's staying in New Hampshire at his girlfriend's house. At the time, my dog was a, a lazy lump who didn't move ever. So, and my dog couldn't talk on top right, of it, right. right? So, But your dog didn't bark. No, nope, nothing. So I open my bedroom door, I peek, and now I notice that my office door is shut, which is never a thing, and the light is on, which is never a right. thing. So I creep down the hallway. My office happens to be the first door on the left side. So I'm creeping down. I got the machete in my right hand, and I'm looking at the door, and then I distinctly hear people. And now I hear them going through things, right? Oh. I go, what's this? What's that? Oh, my God. So I kind of post up there, and... We're talking seconds here, right? Because it sounds seconds, like... It but, but here's the thing. When Einstein said time is relative right. and malleable, it... It really is. It really is. Right. Right? I think we've all... I think anybody listening has experienced that. But it, in to put it into context. context, right, exactly. For, yeah. For what we're talking about, because it sounds like minutes, but you're... These are like gut instincts. You're just... It, it's seconds, but I'm telling you, time literally slows to a halt. I cannot explain this to you because I had a whole dialogue in my head where, quite frankly, I think... I don't think I'm special. I think when life gives you a situation like that, human, natural human instincts from us being cavemen and having to deal with mountain lions or oh, this is right tigers or for hundreds of thousands, thousands of years, years. Yeah. it's just this is who in. we are exactly yeah. back then it was like you're a dirty grimy caveman and you just have natural instincts yeah. right they're built in it's hardwired right right so i'm having this whole dialogue in my head of like dude you are aware like if you go in there like one you might get shot you might die. Right. Two, you might have to kill someone. Like, that's a real. That's look, realistic. It was very. It's not real. an exaggeration. No, this was no. Exaggeration. I think ninety nine point nine percent of people don't go in there. Possibly. I would just not. call the police and, and, especially if you're alone, just call the police and run out. I, I have, guess. I have been riddled with depression and anxiety, and one thing I could tell you, sir, is with my anxiety, I would have had to move, and I do uh, not want to move. Fucking. So that is brave, man. So that good for you. I sat there and I kind of went over. It in my head, like I said, it felt like a half an hour. It m was probably like maybe a minute. Mm -hmm. And I just said, all right, I'm either going to either gonna go in there and i got to be ready to die, got to be ready to kill. So I post up at the door, I have the machete. I decide, well, I can't do nothing. Right. And at this point, my phone is in a different room, so yeah, you can't I, leave. I, I can't leave. No. So I kick open the door. 
I pull up the machete. I start screaming, who the fuck are you? What are you doing here? Kid is in the closet, which is approximately maybe two, three feet in front of me. He turns, pulls a giant knife at me. As soon as he pulls that knife, I raise mine back like, dude, if we're doing this, we're right. doing this, and I'm going to cave your fucking head in <laughs> because you're in my house. So he starts shaking because I think he can tell that I'm not playing. And I think he thought he was more gangster than maybe he was right, being confronted right. with a certain situation. So at that point, he kind of starts getting a little nervous and shaky, and I, I can kind of click down. Like, my right. brain kind of... Because you're rational. Yeah. And you're not a murderer looking to kill somebody. No, I really did not <laughs> just, want to yeah. deal with having a child's blood. At the time, I didn't know it was a child, but a, a child or a person's yeah. blood on my hands. Whatever they are, they're an intruder yeah. at that point. You can't make that decision. And he was 20 years old, so not so much of a right. child. But then I look to his left, and now I see a kid with a gun, so I immediately go right back to Evan at 11, you know, right. freaking out. And I mean, I am waving this machete like a, a conductor of a sy symphony, you know? Okay. <laughs> I'm whipping this thing around. Now, that kid kind of looks at me, but he's like frozen. So then I start screaming at both of them, drop your fucking weapons, drop your weapons, drop your weapons. They drop their weapons. I have them kick them to me. I pull the weapons over, and now I'm... I, I'm able now to click down kind of again, right? Because now I got the weapons, and now I can more assess what's going on. Right. And I realize one is 100% a child. The other looks like an older kind of shady dude, mm -hmm. but the, the contrast, like seeing the child, I, I saw myself being a kid that grew up with a, a bit of a rough life. Right. I saw my child. Just a kid making the wrong decisions, it, not realizing the consequences of what he's about. You know, you're going to a man's house and try to rob him, and he's home. You don't know what. You, yeah. yeah, that's life. That's a life or death situation. That's not a. That's not a play around kind of a situation. It's not even the same as trying to jack someone's car. You know, you take the car and go. But you come into someone's home. Your kids weren't. Your kid. Your son wasn't home. But if my son was home, if, I mean, it would have been yeah, devastating. I feel the them. same way, man. That's a life or death situation. And if it comes down to it, I'm 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 dying for my family. Oh, and you were ready too. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, honestly, my son, even though he's an adult, he's 20 years old now. I mean, if he was home, I know my mentality would have been different. I would have looked at that as, and created a different equation. Right. Same thing, I know for a fact that if I didn't grab that machete, violence would have been inevitable because my brain would have looked right. at that and went like, two, there's one of me, yeah, you have no choice. I got to put him down. Yeah. That's a f wild. This was in the news, I'm sure, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. All over the news. <laughs> this is actually kind of how I got so, into comedy. Which oh, yeah, so, is, yes. is, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll so let's down. circle back here. So, I mean, this... this unbelievably crazy event happens where you get you're you're basically invaded you're it's a home invasion full-on home invasion and then somehow it circles back to comedy bring me in all right so <laughs> i gotta finish this story a little bit first because that that all ties in okay so what ends up happening is so now i got their weapons and i gotta figure out what's the next step i realize oh shit okay yeah you gotta call the cops right you right. can't just let them leave so i run i get my phone i get my phone i call 911 now, as I call 911 and the, the call goes in, I'm able to kind of calm down another level. And then that's when I started realizing the age and what was going on. So then I started getting pissed, right? So now I'm kind of yelling at the kids and giving them a Tony Robbins-esque speech about how they can do so much more with their lives. And I'm also slightly insulted because I feel like I've built myself up from kind of nothing. You know, and then it's like you're coming to me. Like, it's not like I was handed this. I right, busted yeah. my ass for yeah, everything. Yeah, here. like this idea that you're supposed to rob the rich people. I, right, exactly, yeah. exactly. Not the common people. Yeah. Um, so that 911 tape is pretty interesting and hilarious. So the news really caught on that. Like, Channel 5 has a whole thing with. with they, oh, I got to watch it. Yeah. I got to watch it one day. Chan <laughs> so if I go to Channel 5 archives, I can. You yeah, can or if you like just YouTube do Google it, Evan yeah. Luongo, Lynn, Home Invasion. Quite frankly, just Google my name. I'm yeah, pretty sure it's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> um, so, and there's multiple stories. Like Channel 7 did the superhero angle. Channel right. 5 did the, he gave a Tony Robbins speech angle. Another channel came, the kids were claiming they were coming to my house to buy weed. Oh, yeah, nice. Which nice. I don't know who yeah. breaks into a back door to buy weed, yeah. but, you know, whatever. One, one news organization went with that angle they all go with a different thing right. but from that and being so local um there's a local web show called breaking balls yeah and they I've do, heard of it yeah they do a live thing every monday and at a couple lynn guys in that right yes give me a little in background info on do you have any info on them so uh it's it's run by mr monday that's yeah um and it's every monday and they do live i believe they start at eight uh i know 
I know a few of the people kind of vaguely through music and this and that. I, I started to know a lot of them. I've, I've got to know them more since being on that show. Mm -hmm. And where it's weird is the host of the show does stand-up comedy. Um, not the host, but the, I guess the voice. Right. You, you know, the, it's the guy you don't see, but right. he, he's conveying the, the narrator, everything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he does stand-up comedy. So in December, my company shuts down. We get a uh, winter break. Coincidentally, they're all going to a comedy show the first day of it. I get a random call. Hey, we're going to the show. 20 bucks, van in. You know, we'll go do comedy, blah, 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 blah. So I'm riding in, and the guy McClaskey, I'm sitting back with him the whole ride in, not knowing that he does stand-up comedy, uh, right? Yeah. So we get to this venue, and I'm sitting with some of the other people I know and everything. Next thing you know, they're calling him, and he's running up on stage. Right. And I'm like, oh, whoa, this is nuts. So... So that was cool, and it just made me feel more comfortable with these people, right? And that was that experience, and then, you know, some time goes by. Well, now we're in, I'd say, mid-January, something, somewhere around there. And as I alluded to earlier, I've had anxiety and depression mm -hmm. for my whole life, and I've always tried to find, I don't believe in medication, I always want to find another strategy that is either natural or just a different perception of looking at it. It's, right. This has gotten me very into philosophy and very into psychology, by the way. But we don't need to get into it. No, no, we could, man. I love it. it it's uh, it's an amazing thing to hear the, the 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 different journeys that people go through during growth, and that's what that is. You're you're growing, and you're experiencing it one way. And as an entrepreneur, I experience it another way, and as a musician, another way. So that's why it was interesting for me to have you on the show because I get to showcase a different path, perspective of yeah. yeah. And it takes a no matter what, there has to be someone who's motivated behind that, and that's why I like to talk about your history first. Let's find out why you're motivated, and what's sort of fueling that propulsion upwards. Because you got to hustle hard to get there. So no, for sure, man. Dig, you know, go, get as deep as you want. I love listening to it. All right. So, so one of my rules is when I get a really bad depression, you have to do one thing. Okay? Just do one thing you wouldn't normally do. And mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how big or how small it is. Just one thing that gets you out of your comfort zone. Know it's not going to necessarily get rid of the depression. Right. But know you at least did something in, in a direction to create momentum. Right. So what I happen to do is go on Facebook and I message that guy McClaskey. Hey. I'd, I'd love, I found out, you know, you, you do comedy. I'd love to talk to you about open mics or something along those lines. And he was super open and receptive. Right away was like, yeah, dude, I'd, I'd be honored to talk right. to you about it. What's his first name? Uh, Tim. Tim. I mean, Tim, if you're listening, you, we need more people like you. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So he, Someone, he opens up, tells me everything. Right. Right? The, the mics to go to, where to go. He, he even, um, there was one, it doesn't go on anymore, but it was at Bentwater Brewery in Lynn. Yeah, I love Bentwater. So, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to this, and it happened to be on a Friday. So now we're at the end of January. I go down. I check out the first one. I'm still a little nervous, right? Of course, it's yeah. like, I, I, don't, I don't really have material. Right, right. I'm curious. <clears throat> and then part of me is like, well, I could always tell the machete story, right? right. It's a thing, right? And, and it, it will get me used to talking in front of people. But what ended up happening is I, I went to sign up too late. But then I went to the next one. And then from that point on, I'm hooked. just hooked. hooked. Like, it, like it was just one of those things that it just got it. It's hooks in me, and it's so difficult. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's I can imagine. So it's very difficult. And so the, um, hooked sort of like the gym. Like it's just the, it's the chemical reaction that you get from doing it. Exactly. That just, that, that just gives and, you. And something about. You know, you're not always going to catch a laugh, but like being so into philosophy and, and like I'm hugely into stoic philosophy. Mm -hmm. if people know what that is. Right. I, I mean, it's it's been a game changer for me and kind of going up there, even when you're eating balls and, and bombing, <sighs> it's like trying to resort into yourself and not rush through your shit and just run off stage right? or be affected too much by their expectations when really it's about you performing and them either liking it or not. It's, it's more about me performing than, than it, anything else. Exactly. And then trying to, so when that happens, I try to utilize it like, okay, they're not going to pay attention anyways. Well, now I can work on timing. Now I can work right. on cadence. Yep. Maybe let me try switching up the vocabulary. Learning no matter what. Exactly. So it's like, you know, in the car business, for example, if we have a slow month, that's a great opportunity to sort of turn inwards and start to look at your books and see where you can be more efficient and whatnot. It's, it's, okay. It's yeah, the yeah, comedian's exactly. version of, 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 of Working on yourself, growing, yep. um, so make, making the best of it. I, you, I love it. Yeah. You're going to be stuck with that time regardless, regardless, right? Unless you're a coward and you run off stage. Exactly. Right? And there's no need for that because there's opportunity there. Now, in the beginning, there's a couple times where I rushed through set and was just like, ah, I got to get the fuck out of here <laughs> right now. 
because I also do not like to smoke weed before I go on stage. But when I get off stage, it's the first uh, thing you go yeah, to. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> it helps bring me down. And it's funny because you strike me as a as a very very a person who's very in tune with himself. Like you truly understand where you are, um, how you how you work. And even in your weaknesses, although you may not have fully overcome them yet, you you really understand how they affect you. Like you said, um, you're conscious of when you're anxious and having like a panic attack or whatnot. And you and you remind yourself to stop and you realize that you're still in control. But talk to me a little bit about how comedy has helped you get better at that, because that seems to be sort of one of your strengths is that you have this ability to you have a good well-being. Like, you know exactly who you are. Yeah. That Does comedy help sort of bring that in so i think i've done a lot of personal work and had a lot of other life experiences that really got me in tune with that and i think that helps me in my comedy almost the other way around in a sense right because i have the ability to be self-critical but not in a super judgmental way. Like, I'll, I'll start a joke, and I'll go, and I'll be like, yeah, well, clearly, people, that didn't work. I, right. I have to restart that, yeah. you know? Where I, you got to be honest, right? right? Honesty is the key to life, in my opinion, no matter what you're doing. Right. You, and you have to be honest with yourself. With yourself, yep. You have it's to. It's a big, big thing. Regardless of what you're doing, you have to be honest with yourself. You have to accept consequences, deal with it. Exactly. And dealing with it is how you get through it and you condition yourself to get better at dealing with that stuff. And uh, to be honest, uh, you know, I've had some dark moments where I acted in a manner in which truly disgusted me, right? Mm -hmm. And if I didn't have the ability to look at that and objectively say, like, no, dude, you were straight up a piece of shit. Right. I'd still be that piece of shit. Right. Right. I still carry some guilt with it because, quite frankly, in my opinion, Catholic school's great at grinding guilt <laughs> into you. Yeah. But, uh, Catholic schoolboy, yep, right? Yeah. Yep. For a while, anyways. And, <laughs> and, you know, to me, I mean, that's that's the number one thing. I, I, not enough people, I don't really feel, are honest with themselves. I like, know. Uh, an, an abundant, like, an, an, a crazy amount of people refuse to take accountability f for themselves. And they blame and they blame. And there are circumstances that blaming can happen. But they're far and few between. The reality 100%. is that most people don't want to be accountable. Being accountable is tough. Being accountable means that you have to, you have to accept what happened to you and accept that it's your fault and work on making you better. And people don't want to do that. No. But the, the key to life is accepting the suffering voluntarily. Right. Life will give you suffering. Someone right. you love will get sick. You will lose a job. Whatever is going to happen. Right. And you need to go headfirst into that, accept that that's what it is, you want to be the person that when a parent or a loved one dies, you want to be able to be the person that's helping the family through, through it. it, not right. bickering over the little bullshit that, that comes up. Right, exactly. And, and that, that's a very tough thing to learn. Where do you feel like in your past you, you got that gift to sort of look inwards? Because it's a, it is a gift. And I say, I mean, it's a, it's a craft as well. You know what I mean? But it's a gift to, to even recognize that that world exists and then it's a craft to sort of make it what you want. And hmm. I, You know, it's, it's hard for me to say because I always feel like I've, I've always felt like the odd duck, no mm -hmm. matter what group, even within group of friends. When I'm with the comic kids, and I don't mean this rudely, it's like I'm almost too good looking or in too good a shape or, or, or mm -hmm. whatever or right. too many other interests. Uh, my main career is in science. When I'm with the science people... It, when people see the photo of me, they're gonna be like, "This dude does science." Right. No one's gonna believe it, right? Mm. And I've, I've, with my friends that that are very athletic, same thing. Like, yeah, I could get it, I could do it, but I always felt kind of, always felt a little odd out. Not to feel like I was completely alone. I knew I had friends in all these aspects, but I right. never felt like I was a member. Did that give you like a little chip on your shoulder? I don't know if it gave me more a chip or more of a resilience of like, well, dude. You're kind of you. Right. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. And then when I kind of had the revelation at one point that you're kind of you, I became this hard line accepting of it. And then I started trying to do positive things to grow. And there was this, this point where I thought I was fine, right? Where I pretended that I quelled my anxiety by these good behaviors. Right. And I go to the gym and I meditate and I do this or that. And a couple of years ago, I acted in, in a way that came out of nowhere. I had, you know, it wasn't conscious. I, I, but it really, I, 
I regret that it happened, but I'm glad it happened because it showed me, oh, dude, you're not fucking done. You're not okay. Like, yeah. like you think you fix things just because you do better things than what you used to do. Right. And a lot of it is not about fixing it. It's about learning to accept it for what it is. You got to focus on your strengths and focus on your weaknesses and take your strength. Every, everybody's so caught up in trying to pick who they are. It's not about picking who no. you are. It's about accepting and leveraging what you are yes. already. You know what I mean? Because it's a lot of it's baked in the cake. And if your parents can do a good enough job of exposing you to enough things that will sort of make you realize that early, then then that's a gift. But most parents can't see, don't see like that. So people grow up and they don't realize what their strengths are. They have no idea. They, or they're in, in denial of it. You know, they don't, I don't want to be uh, good at this. I, I want to be uh, something else. But if you want to find true happiness, I feel like a lot of time you have to accept it and, and move forward with it. Yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, at this stage, I'll always talk about how I have anxiety and depression because I don't feel like too many people are ashamed or embarrassed by any of that. And I just, I'm not with it. Quite right. frankly, yeah, I don't like it at times, but that gives me a superpower, man. Right. I'm, I'm training for a marathon, right? right. And, and I know that I can set myself to say, okay, dude, you're going to do 15 miles. Right. Motherfucker, I'm doing 15, 15 miles. miles. Yeah. There right? is, there and is that a... inner voice is like, oh, dude, you can do 13. You're by yeah. yourself. A half marathon still pretty impressive. And it's like, no, dude, fuck mm -hmm. you. It's 15 miles. Yeah, it's 15 miles. So what are some of the struggles in, in the comedy world like? I mean, I know you, you host an event. Yes. Um, and you also do some stand-up. Um, but what are sort of the struggles? What are the setbacks that kind of make you so doubt yourself sometimes? I'm still very fresh-faced, right? And just like most humans in this modern age, you always are looking for that almost instant gratification that isn't even real, right? right. It's like, oh, people aren't inviting me to, to be on their shows or this or that. But I'd say one of the struggles is, one of the biggest struggles is figuring out, quite frankly, how to, how to create your jokes, your ideas, your stories, your life experiences, and conveying them in the way to make a group of strangers that do not have your life experiences, right. do not have your life laugh. I mean, that will always be the toughest challenge. And but also the most rewarding, right? Because oh, my follow-up question would be, what, what are the, what's sort of the, the positive stuff that you get from being a comedian? But I can't imagine the feeling of having an audience laughing at something that you created. If so there was a, a March Madness comedy competition that they do. It's called March Comedy Madness. And That's a cool and idea. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, it was a bracket system, mm -hmm. just like March Madness. March Madness, yeah. And the highlight of my comedy anything is somehow, and I do not know how because they were killers. I mean killers. If people don't know, Massachusetts has an amazing amateur comedy scene. Does it? Th these people are hilarious. Yeah. You can see them for free most places. The mic I host is free. You know, it's at Walnut Street Cafe, but we can plug later. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, and they're real, genuinely funny people with genuinely funny jokes. And I'm going through this thing like, holy shit, like there's no way. But, you know, you're already in it, so you just do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, it was and there's the joy of just doing it too, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it was broken down where, you know, as a new comedian, the hardest thing, one of the hardest things that people don't tell you is you have to say the same shit so many times you get sick of it. Right, and it's right? Not, I can't deliver it funny anymore. I, I've got about... Maybe if I push it, 12 minutes of polished jokes. I've been doing this since, like, February, okay? And I've only got 12 polished minutes. Wow. It takes that long. So you have to continually practice that same stuff. And the problem with a lot of the open mic scene is you're performing in front of the other comics who have seen your material a million times, right? right? right. So you don't get the feedback you may want. But the highlight is when you have that weird one-off experience where I made it to Laugh Boston. I, I made it far enough in that comedy competition where I got to to perform at Laugh Boston. Oh, it's like the final four? Yeah. The, the, I, yeah is it exactly. the final four? So I made it to, they did a, a larger bracket than that, about, I think it was about 12, 16 people. Six, and then from that 16 gotcha. people, I actually made it down to the final four. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, in, in, in Boston. In Boston, Laugh Boston. On Laugh Boston. So... At Laugh Boston, I had an actual real audience of real people who right. were there for comedy. And my first two sets used up all my material. <sighs> so when I had my last go around, I didn't have anything. But quite frankly, being able to get through what I had polished and getting the laughs yeah. I got and getting as far as I got, considering the, the killers I was up against, yeah. I mean, that was, that's been the highlight 
of my career, and oh. that's the jet dragon I'm chasing. You right. Know? Yeah. Really cool feeling. It must be a really cool feeling because you're beating out a lot of people that are very seasoned. But it, yes. And you just, just executed that well. Dude, the thing, the reason I love comedy, my biggest thing about it, it's like the same thing for me with, with why I'm still such a comic fan. When I was a young and, and had my own issues, I escaped in Batman and Ninja right. Turtles and this and that. And it's the same thing, man. Yeah, and that was the point of it. Exactly. It was escapism. It was just a form of a, a way to, to enter this magical different world, world where, you, where there where were different rules. Outside. Exactly. Yeah, and you can take... You can be any one of those figures. A lot of most people go for the good guy, but there's some people who go for the bad guy too. Um, but it's it's an interesting thing to me. Um, what's what's really cool in, in my perspective on your industry is I try to look at it from a business perspective so that I can understand it a little better. Not, not that it's that difficult, but I, I look at it and say, so developing your material is sort of like when a restaurant has a menu. It's almost like, well, what's on the menu this week, right? So exactly. a lot of restaurateurs put a lot of time into developing their menu. So how do you go about developing material as a comedian? Like what, what's your process? So I think every, every comic is different because you got your observational comics where they'll throw a little observational joke about how right. they see just something works yep. in the world or whatever. Most of my, I have some of that stuff. What's your particular style? Really. What would you consider? For me, man, I've lived a pretty crazy life and I've had a lot of weird experiences. So a lot of my stories are, are that. Also, I have a lot of self-deprecating stuff right. because it just comes easy, man. It, it, it's, yeah. e it's easy and it's funny. So does that make so does that making developing your menu, quote unquote, which is really developing your material, does that make it more challenging because you almost have to sort of have to wait for things to happen? Um, not so not really because it all it's all a matter of perspective, and you don't know. Things are happening every day. Okay, so you're okay. Right? I, I like that. Yeah. You, you're so you're finding it. You're, you're finding it in, in even the smallest things. As long as you can twist it, and, and you're just basically playing that Ex game. Exactly. That's a really cool. Yeah. I like uh, that. And that's how I try to do it, right? And then you have your milestone points in life, your big ones, right? So one of them would be maybe the home invasion, or mm -hmm. I went to Costa Rica to work with a shaman, and these are big, long things. I can never condense these to a small joke. But I work on these all the time because at some point, if I ever do get featured and have a half an hour, well, bam, I can do a 15-minute right. joke as long as I have it set up where it's a real story and it's kind of bam, 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 punchline, bam, 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 punchline, right. but all in the same story. And then you try to top it all off with a callback to something you joked with in the at beginning. At the beginning, yeah. And there's all these different tricks. I'm still so fresh. So the thing I love about this this comedy scene is really a lot of these comics are really great people, just in the sense that they'll give you a different perspective. Or, you know, you can ask them, yeah, how was my time? Yeah, that's something different than I think most people wouldn't look at it that way but that's a big difference between business and, and entertainment sort of they're not your competition you guys are you're all students of the same game you're sort of all learning together um so I'm, there's there's a lot of great relationships that probably come out of just going to a, a stand-up night where you're where you're joking around with them backstage and stuff you guys must build good camaraderie yeah yeah absolutely and i mean i'm sure that just like anything there's probably some people out there that feel the exact opposite and oh, they're sure. in competition with everyone right. and they have a famine mentality mm -hmm. but i've been blessed with the people that i see the most frequently all seem to to be really open or even some of the the really great people that i'll catch on shows because a lot of the other comics i know put on actual paid shows you right. know where people are paying to go see um, and I'll talk to some of them, and, and they'll just say, well, what if you try this? Or come right. in it like that. Or if I think of a tagline for someone else's joke, like, I'll throw it at them, right? That's your joke. Like, that's your thing, right? right? Yeah. It's cool to be a part of that. So, so, like, you know, one of the guys had a joke. I don't want to really ruin his thing, but he was talking about how he was getting a massage, and the guy looked at his lip and thought it might be, like, lip cancer or something. I said, dude, you got to add the line of, like, Dude, when I'm getting a massage, I don't give a fuck if you find a tumor. Massage the tumor. <laughs> I don't want to hear about that here. I'm trying right. to relax. Right. You know? So I threw that line out. Now, whether he wants to use it or not or, mm -hmm. or how he wants to Constructively record, that, criticizing fine, each other. Right? right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or, or just throwing, throwing ideas out there, right? Yeah, that's how it works. Yep. Um, have you ever had any, like, crazy, crazy bad like experiences going up there and getting like full on panic attack or like being like, Oh man, I'm just not, it's just not clicking. I got to go. So we yeah. talked about a little bit yeah. earlier, but I mean, absolutely. Like, like I've gone up there and just choke, just eating balls. Right? right. Like, well, like most recently my first host in Mike, I've kind of had some major life events. So it takes comedy. Unfortunately, even though it's my love 
has to be secondary because it does not pay my mortgage. There mm -hmm. is no money in yeah. comedy, right. <laughs> right? Like not at this level. But um, you know, I had some some more personal issues, so I took some time back. So now I'm hosting this thing, and this is my first time hosting. And I'm a weirdo, so I I like I'm super into metal music. So right. I, I found any excuse to get my face painted with metal band corpse paint. And this was my excuse. So I get this whole thing ready. And then I get up there. I'm like, shit, I don't remember my jokes. Uh -huh. I do not remember my jokes. <laughs> and then I'm hosting this thing. I mean, I was able to do some stuff on the fly because yeah. I'm pretty good with that. Um, but, you know, there have been other times where I'm in an actual place where you'll say one joke, maybe the audience is a lot of older people, and then you throw this thing at them, and then you, you just get death stares with, right. like, oh, dude, don't, don't yeah, joke that, about that. That's what, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you have written material, that's the risk you have to take, right? Because yep. it's written, like, you can't really modify it that much. But. No, and, and I mean, and that's what you're testing, right? Right. So whenever you have an actual audience, because that's the hardest thing that I don't think people understand with open micers. If we don't have a real audience... Right. We're just around the other comics. We're not getting actual feedback for right. our jokes or our. You're premises. almost more just practicing being on stage and not really getting yeah feedback. And which I believe is so common. You know, the joke is your product. You know, for another uh, another person, something else is their product. But the joke is your product. And without getting feedback from the customer, then it, the product can only be so good. Like nobody nobody invents a, a bulletproof prof, bu bulletproof product right off the bat, right? Like you you create something, then you get feedback. I say this all the time on my podcast. That's what business is about. You create something. You put it out into the marketplace, you get your feedback, you make your adjustments, and then you redo it. It's the same exact same thing. Same exact thing. So, so I have a whole joke, and it's a true story. A German shepherd of mine, he had diarrhea, but he did it in the bathtub, right? <sighs> and when I was first explaining this story, it was just this rambly, atrocious... It was funny because of what it was, right. but it just... It had no cadence, it had no flow, and it was rambly and long, and it went on for like three minutes. No. That does not work, does right? It? it just doesn't work. People are getting lost in, in the bullshit. Right. So the number one thing is you I try to record everything I do, right? And then I have to critique and listen. So I recorded that thing about three times, and I realized, oh, my God, I am a rambly asshole right now. <laughs> like, there's something there, right? and it gets certain laugh points, but I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. And now I have totally rejiggered that and worked it, and I've got it to under a minute. And right. it's the whole story. That used to be three minutes, and now it has very specific laugh points that people mm -hmm. laugh at, and it works. Have you ever met anybody who has that like n natural ability? Because there's people out there who literally naturally probably just flow like that. Have you seen that? I mean, for most people, we have to work at it. It's not. It's like you know, there's guys that are just gifted with it, and then there's people who have to work at it, right? And so most of us have to work at it. I would say that if I did, I wouldn't even notice, right? Really? Because okay. they're so they're so good or so smooth. That it just sounds well rehearsed. That it just sounds well yeah. rehearsed, and right. you just don't even know, right? right? Makes sense. Um, none of none of the things I've done have been too impromptu, you know, Im, Im, improv or or whatever. I guess mm -hmm. I guess scripted. Everything was more scripted. It, yeah, it was more people working on their material, working on their jokes, or like trying to figure out cadence and timing. That's right. the one thing that I'm really currently trying to work on and learn is timing, because a lot of times you'll say something funny and people will laugh, but then you're in this mode of, well, I'm doing my thing, so you're on to the next joke. It's like, no, 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 they're laughing. Right. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. Let them laugh. Walk away. Like, yeah. step back. When the laughter stops, get into your next thing. Right. I agree. I mean, the hustle is real in the comedy business. I, you, there's a lot of competition. People don't have time. Like, live event, um, the live event scene is probably not what it used to be, right? I mean, you've only been doing it for a certain amount of time, but people are just doing stuff online, Um I, I I spent some time looking at your social stuff, and I noticed that you're not really active. Like in social, as a comedian, you just talk more about being uh, having a night. I, I, yeah, I almost have like a, a have more ever, of a philosopher yeah, lean yeah. in my bullshit. And <laughs> dude, whatever works for you. I'm just curious to know: is there a market? Because I've never explored this. People listening might be curious: like, is there a market for a local comedian group? per se of you guys that sort of puts out a lot of content on social like like in other words you just go to your buddy's house and record like a cool funny interaction or something D does that happen so i think that that's kind of what breaking balls is doing right yeah, they, they interview people they have sketches they get a lot of comics on so, right. so i think th they're kind of but doing I, that. yeah but i'm talking more of like so breaking balls is awesome and and i would love to have them on the show if they listen please reach out i'd love to have you guys on the show 
but the 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 thing that I'm talking about is Breaking Balls is sort of a show that has a theme. Okay, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. a day in the life of a local comedian, Evan Luongo. So th- there is uh there's a couple people that do do some stuff. I I'm just blanking on his name right now, but he'll he'll drive around and he's got his phone set up and he'll have another comic in in the car and then like just do as, fun as, stuff. Yeah, as they're going on maybe mics or things like that, they'll they'll yeah. post some stuff. I mean, there's definitely with the internet, there's a lot of markets I think that are untapped a that, lot. that that you could kind of maybe figure something out. I mean, I'm kind of. Is that something you aspire to do? You think that's in the book, uh, in the cards for you, or is it not really? I'm because we're at that age, you know. It could go either way. We could it, be like, you know what? I'm checking out on social. I, I'm I, I'm trying to branch out and figure out, but I, you know, whatever I do, I don't want to put out something that's half-assed. That's right. just not me, yeah. right? Like, if I'm hiking a, a a mountain, like I'm hiking a fucking mountain. If I'm running 50 mm. miles, I'm running yeah. 50 miles. You're a passionate I'm, dude. I'm put some bullshit online. I gotta put it online, and I'm gonna be nitpicky, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe, right? Except for like my Instagram's more like I said, it's my philosophical, my brain droppings, and, and maybe that's in the moment. But if I'm putting something out as Evan Luongo comedian, right. I'm gonna be pretty critical about what the fuck that is. You know what I mean? It's an interesting approach. I mean, there's some people who just bite off as much as they can and just chew as much as they can, and there's other people who are more selective about it. You're taking a more selective approach. Th- but there's definitely a market. You agree, right? Yeah, I mean, well, just I- in the short time that we've been talking, I thought to myself, there must this just must be a market for this. There is, but you know, some people have already started doing some things. So you don't want to step on someone's toes or unintentionally take someone's ideas, right? Well it's not a it's not a proprietary idea to document your own life. I mean I think that I think that there's I think th- there could be f- there's like so many people on IG that are that are like sort of local brand, local um, influencers. So I uh, you know to be honest, uh, my first forte at that is uh, my friends and I were trying to it's another hiking story, and I don't mean to, but that was my first forte is we, we were doing this thing called the Pemi Loop, and it's like 12 mountains, and it's like a 36, 32-mile hike, something like that. And the day we were doing it, it was very humid, weird weather conditions. I was like, you know what? we got to document this right. thing, right? So I was recording everything, blah, 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 blah. And I used my Instagram story kind of for that. So yeah. I recorded everything and then uploaded everything. And that was kind of my first foray documenting it. And quite frankly, coming from the morning to the night, like I, as I've rewatched it, I'm like, okay, if I get better at this, you could, there's, you, something there's something there. there. There yeah. is something definitely. there. Yeah. And I definitely feel like that would be the same with any of the, the comedy things or, or just even if you just do maybe when you get out of a show. And how you're feeling? But after is it a show. frowned upon in the community that you live in now? Is it frowned upon to be that guy? Like, is it because you know at the end of the day you're a comedian, you, you just you just want an audience, right? Like, I agree. I don't care if they're online or in person. I, I prefer in person. I'm assuming, but like, I want to know. I want someone to listen to to this ge- to this well, genius. Dude, I'm trying to get people to hire me and a couple of the other comics I know for like cookouts. I feel like it'd be a great it idea. It would be a great idea. Yeah, there's you, a lot of ways. Yeah, that's cool. Know? Like a. Uh, Instead of hiring a home chef, you hire a comedian. Yeah, you just hire just a couple comics come up, entertain the people at your cookout. No big deal. That's cool. That's a cool idea. I'd love to see how that plays out. So, like how that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so like I've definitely had ideas like that and, and things along those lines, but I guess you just don't know what's going to take, right? And, yeah. And, and and how many of those things can you be committed to? And and just in life, like how many different exactly things I could come up with a hundred different podcasts that I would love to do, but I have to pick something that I'm truly passionate about because. I just, I mean, I would love, I would love to get involved with you and just make that that comedy. Like it's, it's intriguing to me. I'm, I'm, very, I'm a creative person. I would love to be a part of that, but I don't have the, I don't have the resources at the time to do that, right? You got to pick a couple of things. So for you, it's, you got to narrow down, right? And, and That's just figure it. it out. Because you're saying actually that you're, you enjoy sort of the putting events together too, uh, uh, in the comedy world. So. Well, I, I'm just getting into my foray with that, but yeah, I mean, I feel like there, there's definitely something there, right? In, in anything where. I mean, the most exciting thing about hosting my own mic is just having that creative control. Right. If I want to go up there with like a baby papoose and like a, I don't know, a watermelon in it and just not address it, right. I can do that. <laughs> as dumb as it is and right. as weird as that may be, yeah. right? No one's going to tell me no. Right. And, and so what do you think, you know, looking towards the future now, um, where do you think Evan Luongo ends up in the comedy space? You know, man, I, 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 I don't know. I really don't know. The, the, Are you the, just so happy to be there, to have found it, that you're just sort of... I do it for fun, okay. right? I do it for fun and the love of it. Because the way I see it, 
dealing with the, the issues I've already spoke about. When you're laughing or when you're making people laugh, yeah. you cannot be sad. You cannot be mad. You cannot be anything. It, and, it, and it's funny because it's so you hear this all the time, Robin Williams, guys like that, you know, uh, or even women too, obviously. Um, you hear it all the time, comedians sort of suffering with this dark side, and they all seem to eventually come out with it and, and we're still shocked like every time it happens. It's like, oh my God, this dude was depressed. Or this chick was depressed. Like, oh my... It's it's a weird line comedians walk, and yeah. it almost like the way you said it, it made it sound like, look, if I can just manage to live in this space as often as I can, then I never really have to face the living in in the other space where I have, you know. It's it's not even not facing it. It's just for me. This is gonna sound like I'm just, but I really, truly, I sincerely mean this. To be able to just fucking make other people laugh, and I just know that they don't feel like shit. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. at some point I'm gonna feel like shit. Right. Like I know it. Right. I don't hide it. I'm not scared of we it. We all are. I, I deal with it. Yeah, right. Everybody like, is. like like I know I'm gonna be hypercritical about some dumbass thing that I shouldn't be hypercritical about. I know I'm gonna obsess about not hearing from so and so that I feel like I should have heard from. Yeah. You know. So I really try to, and then I try to rejigger all that for myself and just say, you know what? No one in this world owes me a damn thing. You're right. And man, you know what? You are playing life on a different level. Seriously, you are. You're playing... Well, thanks you're, you're, yeah, you're welcome. You deserve it. You're a hyper-aware person and you're not letting it consume you. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of places you could be in life right now considering the circumstances and the history that you have had. And for you to be able to stop and really get deep into your own brain and pick things apart and be constructively critical about things and work towards betterment all the time and just keep grinding. I mean, it, it's, it's worth people tuning into stuff like this to hear about that because these are the people in our community that are grinding and hustling and working towards betterment. And there's an inspiration in every story, I believe. And for me, f listening to you talk, the fact that you can actually stop and get in your own brain and change your mind on things it's pretty cool, man. Oh, it's pretty cool. And if you can get a chance to ever sort of be able to help someone else get there, if it's through laughter or whatever, like, why not? I mean, you got to think about it like this. You never know what anyone's perspective is. You can't possibly, right? Their perspective was built off of their life experience, mm -hmm. the choices they've made, the things that were thrust upon them. Right. And I just always try to be aware of that, right? Nobody knows exactly what's going on in this head of mine. Half the time I'm trying to <laughs> sort that shit out, yeah. you know? Yeah, so, I feel you, man. I feel the same way. So it, it's just one of those things. I think that the world needs a little bit more of that, right? right? People need to understand that, like, people aren't doing what they're doing necessarily to be assholes. Of course, you got your psychopaths and your sociopaths right. that, that are about that. But most people are just trying to get by, man. Yeah. Most people are just trying to do the best that they can within reason, right? right. But for me, in doing this podcast, I'm growing all the time because I'm getting a chance to talk to people about their history, their their, you know, present situations and where they're going in the future and I'm learning and I'm listening a lot and I'm hearing these stories and I'm trying to connect the dots I'm trying to find sort of a pattern I think that's human nature we try to find patterns and things and everything sort of make sense of it bring some of my own logic I'm a very logical person I want to bring some of that logic into this and I'm picking it up and from you I'm taking a, I'm taking away and funny actually because you're big into hiking and I want to tell you just a quick story and the listeners too which kind of bring this thing full circle is um so I'm with a group of my guy friends. We're, we're, uh, we do like a guy's trip annually. We usually head out to the Berkshires. We rent a beautiful house, and we, we have a really cool time. Um, and we went for a hike uh, a few years ago, and, and one of us, one of my friends actually, um, mid-hike, and it's the tallest mountain in the Berkshires. So it's not like, you know, it's not, it, it's not, you know, a crazy trek, but for a bunch of guys who don't hike, hike all the time, yeah. we were, you know, it was a bit much. So about halfway up, he stops, and he starts to have a panic attack. And we, we all turned to him, you know, we're trying to, to help him. And, but it's just too overwhelming when you're having a panic attack. It's like the world just gets really small and everything's just and noise. it's chaos. And you it's gotta, chaos. You, gotta you almost need to down. just go for a walk. And, and um, I remember saying to him at the time, man, you got to beat this because you got you to get, get the W. You can't take the L here. You can't take the L here. And I remember saying it to him because I really feel like every time you're in that situation, if you can get a W, if you can get the win then you'll move forward towards beating it. But if you take a loss, if you take the L, you sort of, you get, the, the choke gets even strong. the chokehold gets a little stronger, right? And so the next time it happens. So I remember telling him and hoping that he could figure it his way out. He, he couldn't end up figuring it out. And we had to sort of like make the decision to, listen, we got to get you down. We just need to just chill out. Like, but in hearing your story 
and the fact that you're big into hiking and then and to hear your story that you've been in multiple situations where you've been able to actually stop that from happening that's really cool for me that's 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 the high that's what i love to highlight um in this particular show so i um, I'm sorry, you wanted to add. Oh, you know, man, it's just, yeah. I mean, to me, think about this. Life, like I said, and I already said this, it's suffering, man. It is. It just, it's in Buddhism, it's in any philosophy you sure. read. And it's just understanding and just being a human in the modern era. I mean, look at how many different perspectives you can have on anything. Right. There's a di so it's just trying to kind of fall back in yourself and go, okay, I am looking at this this way because this is what my brain has led me to believe right. up until this point. Context. But I know that if this was in that guy's head, he'd be looking at it a different way. Different way. So you just got to remind yourself of yeah. that, right? That's my main thing. Yeah. And, and as far as not to get, I just want to go back to the other thing. Where I am in comedy all depends on where my other professional life lands. Right. If I could ever full-time do comedy, pay the bills, that's where 100% Evan would be allocated. But I am a guy with sort a mortgage. Of, and yeah, exactly. And that. that's the curse of, you know, unfortunately, that's the downside of discovering it so late, you know, because exactly. if you were 21, you could have stayed, you know, you live with your parents, you grind it out like that. Old, it, different. Exactly. Now it's like, you know, I, I have responsibilities. I have a child. I have, you know, I, I can totally understand with it. I mean, I could also argue for the opposite, like just give it all up and go for it. I have thought about that. <laughs> I but I don't want to be the reason. <laughs> so I think that that's like, for... Should I sell my comic book collection? <laughs> my personal <laughs> advice would be like, just jump, jump in the deepest, the deepest waters you can find and believe that you can swim because I truly believe that we're all capable. I believe that you're more... Like just in speaking to you, I believe that you're even more capable than the average person just because I can tell where your head's at. And I think... But that's a personal decision. But I think a lot of people who've listened to this will probably be wondering at the beginning, what's up with the comedian in the Hustle Project? And if you haven't found any insight in just speaking to Evan in this short time, then you weren't listening. Mm -hmm. So go back and start over again. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. Thanks, man. And I really want to just say, like, you you exceeded my expectations. Um, I, I, I didn't know where this podcast was going to go tonight. Like I said, it's, it's unscripted. And I think I love... The backstory. I love uh, where you're at right now, and I can't wait to come out and see you. So make sure you invite me to the next show. Absolutely. All right, man. All right, man. So you want to do a shout out? You got what, oh, when is your um, next show? So I host an open mic at Walnut Street Cafe in Lynn. It is the last Friday of every month. Sign ups if you want to get up. Start at seven thirty. Show starts about quarter past eight, eight thirty. Will you be performing? I I'm mm -hmm. I'm the host, so I kind of oh, do, do it do a little kind of bullshit throughout. Okay. Um, yeah. So you got a um a Facebook page? Yes. Uh, yeah. Evan Luongo comedian. Evan Luongo comedian, and they can people can yep. follow you there. Um, intense Evan on Instagram. Intense underscore Evan on Instagram. That's my personal shit, and it's a lot of philosophy, and I'm very honest on there. I talk about all my life bullshit. So you heard it. Go check him out. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Thank you.